What is the vibe like down at Red Sox spring training? And what will the Red Sox rotation look like if Brian Bayo and Garrett Whitlock aren't ready for opening day? You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I am your host, Jake Ignazuski. And today we were joined by Red Sox beat reporter from The Athletic, Jen McCaffrey. And she answers all the biggest questions going into the Red Sox 2023 season, even touching on some of the injury updates of Garrett Whitlock, maybe not ready for opening day, speaks about Brian Bayo's progression, getting back to being healthy, and also touches on what the Red Sox rotation could like look like without both of those players. Then also, you know, touches on what will happen with Jaron Duran and Bobby Delbeck. But I'm not going to tell you everything that we talked about. You're going to have to listen to the great conversation that her and I had. But let's tune into it now. I'm here with Red Sox beat reporter Jen McCaffrey from The Athletic. So how are we doing today, Jen? All right. How about you? I'm doing great. It's It's been fun to watch, you know, the energy sort, sort of overanalyze uh, the Red Sox spring training thus far, uh, only, you know, a few weeks in or so, few games under their belt. Uh, but from your time down there in Fort Myers, I was curious sort of the energy and vibe that you observed from the team's chemistry thus far. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a different group, a lot of different guys. And I think you can kind of feel that um, there's a different uh, there. Yeah, there's just a different vibe in camp. Um since so many, uh, you know, veteran guys left uh, over the offseason or, you know, were traded at the end of last year. So um, I think it's a, it was a camp and it still is a camp of guys getting to know each other and also um, sort of on the fly, too, because WBC is going to be coming up pretty soon and kind of interfering with that. So I think guys are trying to um, get to know each other quicker, too, because they know some of them are going to be leaving and it's going to interfere a little bit with things. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Alex Cora talked a lot about just um, – professionalism in camp and guys trying to just going about their business and doing things um, the way he likes to see them done. And not that it ever wasn't professional in the past, but uh, I think just given how much uh, attention this offseason got and how much turnover the roster was going to have, I think he's been pleased with how the guys have handled it and how um, they've been able to kind of, yeah, just block out a lot of the maybe the distractions that come um, with, uh, with kind of, you know, having this new face on this new team. I agree. And it really seems like, you know, we saw the mariachi band, uh, you know, today with, with uh, you know, Alex Verdugo, Jaron Duran. And, you know, you brought up the WBC. Obviously, we're going to see Kike Hernandez, you know, Yoshida, uh, Doogie, obviously, Duran and a few other players go over there. But uh, I, I also saw something today uh, about Garrett Whitlock as well from Alex Cora saying that there could be a possibility that he uh, wouldn't be ready for opening day. And, and was curious sort of why you think that is. Maybe it's due to the lack of him progressing as far as they would like him to in sort of his hip recovery. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. And kind of even going back into the earlier in the offseason, there were hints that, you know, he was slightly behind, but they weren't worried, you know, that um, he was just taking his progression slowly. And um, I kind of had in the back of my mind all along that maybe, you know, yeah, the Whitlock might not be ready for the start of the season just because it seemed like he wasn't on the same schedule as a lot of the other guys. He he was throwing bullpens early in camp, but he wasn't doing like the PFP drills and things like that. I think I 
talked to Dave Bush about that. And he said, that's kind of the last thing they bring along, but I think they're trying to be extra careful here, just knowing obviously how important, um, you know, the hip is and, and to the longevity of the player himself. And obviously it's not an arm injury, but um, just given how young he is and how important he is to the team, I think they just want to take their time. And um, it might not even be something where he misses, you know, a long stretch of time, but maybe mm. if he's just a couple weeks behind, you know, misses the first couple weeks that, that might be, you know, the case. So I think, you know, it's early, it's, it's not even March yet. So I think we have, you know, some time here to obviously monitor the situation and figure out more of where he's at. But um, I don't think it's anything overly alarming. I think they're just trying to be careful, just knowing how many guys uh, had injuries last year, this in, you know, this uh, injury in particular for, for Whitlock, you know, took a lot out of him. So I think just, yeah, that build building back up is um, just, yeah, going to be key for him and they want to make sure they do it the right way. So they don't, put him, uh, set him back before he even gets back out there. Yeah. And I agree. And I I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this from my assessment. I, I think that, you know, a lot of his hip injury or, or main reason why he had to have surgery was because he wasn't able to work up to being a starter and he was sort of thrown into that. Do, would you semi agree or. Yeah, no, I think that certainly played into it, kind of the back and forth of, you know, starting, relieving and kind of going, building back up. He talked a lot too about, um, just that five day routine last year and trying to get back into that after, you know, starting the season as a reliever. So mm -hmm. I think they're, yeah, I think they're definitely, that definitely played into things and maybe he kind of rushed into some habits, um, with his delivery, uh, you know, as he was trying to build up as a starter that, uh, that kind of compromised the hip a little bit. And so trying to maybe unlearn a lot of those things, he did a ton of physical therapy this off season, but, um, still it's, you know, it's a different thing when you're back out there on the mound and in a game. So I think again, yeah, they're just trying to take it extra careful and make sure they go about it the, the right way with him. That makes sense. And, you know, in my mind, there's like seven starting pitchers right now in terms of the Red Sox depth chart. And, you know, the two guys that are sort of on the outside that don't, in my opinion, have solidified spots, James Paxton, Tanner Houck. And I, I'm curious if, if Whitlock was to miss, let's say two weeks starting the season, who do you think would be more likely to fill in in that, you know, ex that fifth spot or to be that fifth uh, pitcher in the rotation? Uh, I mean, I guess it all depends on how these guys, you know, pitch and feel over the course, you know, uh, course of the next month or so and making sure none of those guys, you know, have setbacks or nobody else. You know, I know we've also heard of, you know, Nick Pavetta with, you know, having COVID and being a little bit behind. So you never, never quite sure, but if everybody's healthy and it, it does come down, um, you know, to a couple guys, I mean, I, I think Paxton as the edge, just having been a veteran guy that's sort of worked his way back all this, you know, this stretch, he's never pitched out of the bullpen, whereas mm -hmm. Hauk has. So I think they like that Hauk can have that flexibility to do both and probably would prefer to keep him in one role. But I think just given Paxton's, yeah, um, the fact that he's been in the league for such a long time and he's never been a reliever i think he'll he'll probably end up in the rotation um but uh but yeah kind of they have a lot of moving parts right now with this rotation so they kind of have a lot of things to watch over the next month and a lot of uh just guys to monitor too to make sure that you know um even you know brian bayo um you know with with his kind of forearm strain too is he gonna is he gonna be able to be ready by the start of the season too it seems yeah. like he will be but that's another guy you want to keep an eye on and then obviously chris sales so i mean yeah there's gonna be a lot of moving parts and i um I, I think they're just going to be kind of be try to be extra careful with guys over these next uh, several weeks here. 
And Paxton's a guy that I'm I'm most intrigued to see on the mound, just just in a Red Sox uniform, since you know he hasn't really pissed healthy in you know two to three years or so. But what what have you really heard on, on in terms of him? Uh, do you, do you think that they're going to work him up to being a starter a little bit slower than some other guys, and maybe start him as a long reliever or something like that? No, I think he they're going to kind of put him right into, you know, trying to be a starter. Um, he's okay. scheduled to start a game later this week. I don't know if it's Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, he uh, I think they're going to kind of stretch him out, you know, as a starter and uh, and kind of be in that role. Um, but again, you know, things might change. Um, but he's, you know, been along doing, you know, all the, the drills and kind of bullpens along with everybody else. So it seems like he's kind of um, coming along um, just as well as they expected. There's kind of been no restrictions or anything. He says he's feeling good. And obviously, you know, obviously it doesn't have a ton of, um, you know, just coming off the injury and, and Tommy John last year, that first outing he had coming back, uh, he, he hurt himself with that, that latch strain. So he hasn't had a lot of uh, innings, you know, and a lot of uh, time against batters. But I, I think they can build that kind of stuff into you know, uh, backfield sessions and things like that, or, or what have you over the course of the, the next six weeks or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, given that he's going to be appearing in a game later this week, I think, um, and, and probably in definitely ahead of, uh, sale ahead of, um, you know, Whitlock, even Bayo. So, I mean, I, that's, uh, even, yeah, uh, Pavetta, I don't think Pavetta will be in a game yet either. I think Kluber's probably the only one um of that kind of group there um that will have thrown a, a start in a great league game um aside from aside from paxton so i think that's a good side for him if he if he's you know hoping to make the rotation here so that makes sense and you also brought up bayo and i i think something that you said earlier too is a great point as well you know we're, we're a month away from opening day even being here and you know it, it's tough to not overanalyze some of these injuries and think you know whitlock bayo could they not be in the rotation starting off uh in opening day but if that is the case for bayo uh do you think that they could potentially start him out uh in triple a to work him back up to be able to be healthy on the major league roster yeah, definitely. I mean, that's certainly a possibility to just kind of if he if he does if he's only been able to get maybe you know three or so starts by the end of spring training if they're taking him along that slowly then uh, then yeah I don't think they're gonna want to throw him right into major league games after just a couple of spring training starts so I could see him starting out in AAA if that's the case um, I, I think he'll spend you know a bulk of the season in the majors but if yeah if he's if he hasn't progressed enough to where he can um, you know have had uh, at least, uh, you know, four or five starts by the end of, of camp, then, then yeah, it's possible he starts out there um, and, and see where he goes. I think he threw a bullpen yesterday of 20 pitches. So, I mean, he's he's throwing on bullpens. It's not like he's not doing anything. So that's good. Mm -hmm. um, he'll probably need to throw at least another bullpen or two, and then he'll do that progression where he'll face, you know, he'll do the up-downs uh, maybe once or twice, and then maybe a live batting practice and then a game. So he's probably – you know, um, if, if things go well, he's probably a couple weeks out from a game at this point. Um, so we'll see kind of where that puts him towards the end of camp. But uh, but yeah, obviously, um, you know, you don't want to rush him either because, again, he's another piece that's going to be a, a, a big, uh, you know, big part of the rotation this year, but also for the future. Right. And, you know, sticking on the pitching side, you know, one thing that we haven't seen the Red Sox have in, you know, five some odd years is some good young pitching depth. And, you know, we really saw them flash that yesterday with, you know, Winkowski, Walter, Chris Murphy, uh, Brian Mata. And I I'm curious, we, we saw, you know, 
Cutter Crawford break the 26-man roster out of nowhere last year at the end of spring training. I, I was wondering if there's anybody in your mind that you could see potentially find a way to make that jump or sneak into that 26-man roster like Crawford did last year. Yeah, um, honestly, any of those guys feel like they could, um, you know, be be in the mix there. And they definitely have. And I, I feel like they've talked a lot about the team in general of just feeling like they have a lot more depth, not only with that group of guys coming up, but also with guys like Winkowski and Crawford having had the experiences they did last year and just kind of knowing the league a little bit. Um, and just kind of knowing what to expect. So, I mean, um, yeah, any, any of those guys, um, could definitely be a, be in the mix there. Um, you know, I think we'll have to see a little bit more of them to figure out, you know, who, who might work where and best. And again, again, you know, what the rotation looks like at the end of camp and what kind of holes they have. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, uh, far-fetched at all to say that any of those guys, you know, are off the table or anything there. I, I think the, uh, yeah, the pitching staff is, there are definitely some people that you consider locks, but, um, you know, you never know how injuries are going to come, come about. And so I think it's pretty fluid at this point in terms of, uh, who got, who's going to, who's going to make, uh, the team here and, and, you know, which of those guys might kind of rise to the top over the next several weeks. I hope that you are enjoying my conversation with Jen McCaffrey so far, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about Bill Bar. So if you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, you have to try Bill Bar. You've heard Lauren and I talk about it for, months and years and it's it's honestly one of my favorite things to eat to not only be able to eat healthy but also be able to fill up when i'm on the run and the most amazing part about it is that it's not only good for you but it actually tastes good it's 100 real chocolate that's right real chocolate and they have unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and coconut almond it's pretty much like a candy bar but it's a protein bar and actually good for you it only has 130 calories four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein and they're honestly one of the best tasting protein bars that i've ever had and it not only tastes good but it's also so healthy for you and really fills you up really anytime throughout the day, whether you're you know going to the gym, on the run, at work, whatever it is, Built Bar is always great for, for a snack throughout the day. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box of Built Bar. And for years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart and Sam's Club and don't have to wait around for the box to come to you. You can go and get them. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you don't have a Sam's Club or Walmart near you, you can still go and order your Built Bars at Built.com. So go over and check them out either at Walmart, Sam's Club, or Built.com. Now let's get back into my conversation with Jen McCaffrey. Right. And, you know, Brandon Walter, what one guy that really flashed his stuff yesterday, only seven pitchers striking out two batters. Curious to see, you know, if, if his neck injury, you know, forces him i guess to spend some more time in triple a since he only was able to make two starts there last year but uh you know what two guys that uh I, i'm very curious and intrigued to see if they start either on the major league roster or in worcester is jaron duran and bobby dalbeck they're two guys you know we heard throughout the offseason we're talked about in trade rumors you know obviously nothing has really been spoken about on that front over the last few weeks or months um, and we, we've seen them being talked about getting a lot more time, at least Dalbeck specifically, uh, having reps at all these different positions throughout spring training. Obviously, Duran's going to the WBC, but where could you potentially see them begin the season? Worcester or Boston? Yeah, I mean, I you know, they're definitely both 
you know, could be, uh, you know, bench options for the team by the end of the, by the end of camp, you know, as a Dahlbeck, you know, a backup first baseman, um, or, you know, Duran with the speed that he has and these new rules that are in place, you know, that's obviously going to be key in, in, you know, the outfield depth there. So, I mean, Cora's talked a lot about how, you know, basically just wanting to give them both really a second chance to kind of, um, you know, show that they can stick and show that they, what they can do. Obviously, Dahlbeck has a, you know, done it a little bit, um, but, you know, still has a lot to prove um, consistency wise and has shown flashes of what he can do. Um, and Duran, you know, had that opportunity last year, but Cora talked a lot about just not feeling uh, or feeling like he kind of put Duran in a tough spot to kind of take over for Keegan Hernandez in the leadoff spot and in center and kind of put a lot of pressure on him. So, um, yeah, I think if both have a good camp, there's definitely a chance both could be on the major league roster. But, you know, the good thing is that they both have options and they can be stashed in, in Worcester. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I honestly wouldn't rule out, you know, other teams also have, you know, injuries that crop up over the course of spring that, you know, maybe a trade happens too. So I think they're trying to keep all their options open. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, I think, I think anything's kind of on the table at this point and we'll kind of see, uh, how things shake out and how they perform and, and, um, yeah, where they stand in a, in a couple weeks. And makes it even tougher for Duran with, you know, Tapia right in front of him too, you know, them sort of battling it out. You know, obviously Duran and him will exactly be able to compete within spring training with Duran and uh, playing for Mexico. But uh, how, how do you think that Tapia could play into this factor? And it, it's also just a little bit funny with, you know, the situation that happened last year with Tapia and Duran that now they're on the same team competing against each other. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Tapia probably, you know, figures into that, that depth, you know, um, kind of role as well. I mean, you've got Rob Refsniver who's probably going to be your fourth outfielder. Right. Um, so, I mean, it, you kind of getting tight there with, you know, adding another outfielder or kind of what you feel you need by the end of camp. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's obviously a really good player and uh, you know, I, I think they realized last year, they just didn't have enough depth across the board. So if there were opportunities to add guys, that had success in the majors, then why not? And kind of fig figure out how this all shakes out in the end. Um, and, you know, having more guys is better than not having enough. And uh, mm -hmm. I think, you know, that obviously that was a huge part of the reason why they failed so much last year. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, there's going to be position battles. There's going to be guys that need to impress um, and guys that need to kind of rise to the top. And, um, we'll, you know, and they also aren't going to read too much, you know, into spring training numbers either. You don't want to just, you know, we've seen so many guys over the years that have had terrific springs and then fall apart when the season starts yeah. or who have, you know, bad springs and then figure it out and have, you know, decent seasons. So, um, there's also, you know, the, 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 the trap of kind of falling, reading too much into, into mm -hmm. spring numbers. I think it's just more about, yeah, consistency and kind of track records and, and, and honestly, just what, what the team needs and, and where, you know, where the holes in the roster are and, and, you know, kind of going from there. But, um, but yeah, Tapio is definitely going to be getting, you know, plenty of playing time too um, with some of these guys. Yeah. Headed out for the, for the WBC. Makes sense. I, I actually looked at Dalbeck's spring training numbers a few days ago and he was on pace for 50 home runs and like 150 yeah. at bats. Uh, but I, yeah, that's one thing that's always fun with spring training. It's, it's tough to not overanalyze. It's tough to not get excited, but all that really matters is what happens in the real games, the regular season games. But, uh, you know, a, another thing that was a whole fiasco throughout this weekend was the pitch clock. And, you know, one thing that specifically with, with Rafael Devers over the last few years and, you know, JD sort of 
made, made this sort of a routine throughout his time in Boston it was their breathing exercises, the deep breath right before they start their at bat. And I'm curious, you know, specifically on that, but also just other guys like pre up at bat routines. I'm, I'm curious if there's anything that you've heard uh, from people on how they're trying to adapt to the more speeded up uh, sort of game with the pitch clock. Yeah, I think we've focused so much on, you know, the pitchers and how it's going to be an adjustment for the pitchers, but we haven't really, you know, focused too much on, on the batters and kind of the time they take um, trying to get in the in the box and, you know, um, their routines and, and kind of getting used to that and obviously saw it come to a head in that uh, in the game against, you know, the Braves, um, you know, in the eight seconds that they have to get in the box and the game getting called on a on a third strike. So, yeah, the batters are going to have to readjust their routines. You know, haven't talked to specifically Devers or any of those guys, you know, I wrote a story a few years ago about Devers breathing routine and kind of the big deep breath that he takes in between pitches, you know, obviously he's not going to be able to do that as much. Um, or if he does, you know, have to kind of quick, it, quick it up a little bit. Um, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, guys are going to just have to like readjust and kind of find new routines, but you know, the pitchers are too. So I think it's kind of on both ends guys are going to have to change, you know, routines a little bit and, and figure out, um, you know, what works for them. And that's, Kind of why I think in some of these games you'll notice guys trying things, some things a little differently. Like you'll hear, you know, on the sidelines if uh, Tom Karen's interviewing a pitcher after he's, you know, gotten called out of the game, he'll he'll, he'll you'll hear him talk about um, yeah, just trying to push himself, pitch a little quicker than he needs to just to test himself. These are you know these are practice games, so these guys are going right. to be trying different things to see you know, can I get away with this? Like how many seconds do I have left? You know, can I take this deep breath and still have time? Maybe I can. Um, or maybe, you know, I need to, you know, do things a little quicker. So I think you'll see a guy's maybe trying, if you know, just some different things so that before the real games do start and, and just kind of like, yeah, practice. These are, this is what this is for. What is spring training is for is just practice right. games. So, you know, if they mess up, um, then it's not the end of the world. And it's kind of, you know, the time that they take and can use to just get used to, um, yeah, the, these new rules. And, you know, I, I think that's one thing Lauren and I talked about it yesterday, uh, especially after the whole reaction happened of, of, you know, the ultimate Braves and Red Sox game ending like that, that, you know, these guys have these subconscious sort of routines and it, it's at this point where they don't even think about it anymore, but now they not only have to think about that routine, have the clock in the back of their mind, but also focus on a 90, you know, 95 mile per hour pitch coming at them. But it's, it's going to be an adjustment, not only for obviously the fans, but for, for the players and everything like that. But the last thing that I have for you is, you know, for, for myself and I bet a lot of other fans, you know, up here in new England are, are just able to sort of get a glimpse of what Red Sox spring training has been like thus far only through the screens of just what the Red Sox are posting or people like yourself and other beat reporters that are down there are, are sort of posting of, of everything down there. But I was curious, if is there anything while you were down there? Obviously, you probably like went down with you know, some storylines in your mind of things maybe to look out for. But is there anything that sort of surprised you while you were in Fort Myers? Um, I think just... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as kind of going back to what we talked about in the beginning, just all the changes, you know, um, it definitely looks and feels like a different clubhouse, not in a good or bad way. It just, you know, it was so similar for so many years, you know, with JD and Xander and Christian Vasquez and um, Nathan Avaldi. And, and it's not a good or a bad thing that, you know, there were so many guys there for so long, but it just, you got to get used to um, so many people around and it just, it just, 
it felt different. Um, you know, a different group of guys, you know, even with sale being around because he hasn't been around as much and, you know, Paxton's been on this team for, this is going on his second year, but we never saw him because he was rehabbing all last year. So, um, and, and just an influx of, of, you know, the, the young talent, you know, the guys like Satan Raffaella in the corner of the clubhouse, even Tristan Casas, you know, um, and just having, you know, those guys around too. So it, it felt like, you know, um, things were good. I was there down there for the first, you know, week or so I go back in a, in a couple of weeks for about another week. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, that was down there for the first week. So it was really kind of everybody kind of getting to know each other. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how it is. It'll be in a few weeks once they have gotten to know each other a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it just kind of felt, uh, fresh, like kind of a, a, a new chapter, um, you know, and just I'm curious, you know, after such a, um, long off season in a lot of ways with so much change and so much, um, I think frustration from fans in a lot of different areas, um, how they'll receive this team. I think people are just anticipating them to be bad. And if they're good, I'm, or, you know, even if they're mediocre, I'm curious to see, um, if people, you know, if more people than just the diehards will, will care, or if it's just going to be, you know, similar to, you know, uh, similar to most years, I feel like when, you know, everyone waits until, or, you know, the, the casual fans wait until Bruins and, and, you know, Celtics are out of the playoffs, which this year could be pretty, you know, well into June. So, uh, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just really curious to see how this, this team kind of actually performs on the field because it does feel like there are some, uh, interesting players here that, that could be, uh, that, that could do something, you know, uh, I think, you know, I think they have a lot of, they have a big chip on their shoulder. And I think a few of them have talked about that. And I think given that they're, you know, a pretty veteran clubhouse, um, they, they know how to use that chip on their shoulder to perform, you know, and I, I think a lot of these guys have a lot of pride. So having read and heard a lot of the negativity around the team entering the year, uh, I'm just, I'm just really curious to see how they're actually going to put it together or if it's going to fall into what, you know, a lot of people, uh, are projecting it to be where, you know, a, a mediocre team that doesn't, you know, doesn't live up to, you know, what it should be. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's just definitely feels like a, you know, a, a lot of new faces and, and that's kind of the biggest thing I think that stood out, uh, early on. That makes sense. And that's one thing that Lauren and I have talked about throughout the off season, the, the two words that we've used more than anything is potential. And what if there's just so much potential in what ifs, but it's just all about like, it's to know how it's all going to work out on the field and, you know, the record wise and how, what, what questions will be answered. And, you know, I, I bet you got the same exact thing throughout the offseason of people just asking you like, what are the Red Sox doing? And so hopefully, you know, the team ultimately through their performance can answer those questions of why Bloom made the decisions that he did, but uh, really appreciate you taking the time, Jen, and for giving all of your insight. And uh, you know, you're, you're somebody that I, I've always admired your work and, you know, the great articles that you put out. And so for anybody that wants to you know tune into stuff that you put out and be able to, you know, be, be as, uh, knowledgeable and prepared for the season to come. Where can they find all that stuff? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, theathletic.com, where's all our Red Sox coverage um, on Twitter at JC McCaffrey. Um, and yeah, um, thanks, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
I hope that you did enjoy my conversation with Red Sox beat reporter from The Athletic, Jen McCaffrey. But we're going to continue to do interviews like this with experts like Jen, as well as bring on some fans to give you multiple different perspectives to help you get great Red Sox content leading up to the season. If you want to hear updates about the Red Sox five days a week, go over and subscribe to Locked On Red Sox over on YouTube or whatever audio platform that you listen to so then you get updated when new episodes drop we post monday through friday and we try and do episodes like this with different guests bring up different updates like i mentioned or touch on some of the biggest storylines that are going on surrounding the team also make sure to follow us over on twitter it's lo underscore red Sox to get all those updates immediately and also to try and get involved in each and every single episode that we post one thing that lauren and i try to do is make this the most fan engaging red Sox podcast that there is out there so if we have a guest on like jen or if we're just talking about a regular storyline or topic we try and get your guys' opinions involved in each and every single episode also make sure to follow myself on twitter it's at jake iggy and also my co-host lauren it's la 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 three laws lauren with four r's but we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in to the locked on red Sox podcast and making locked on red Sox your first listen of every single day now make your second listen locked on fantasy baseball win your league by listening to matt and dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies find locked on fantasy baseball wherever you get your podcasts or over on youtube it's also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Also, make sure to tune into some of the other great Locked On podcasts out there, like Locked On Orioles, Locked On Mariners. They have them for the MLB, NBA, NFL, everything that you can imagine, five days a week to keep you updated about some of your favorite teams in all of sports. But we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in, as always. I hope that you have a great rest of your day, and we'll end it how we always end it. Let's go, Socks.